It's Wednesday, November 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me in studio today, Abby Mallon in the house. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We've got health earnings, we've got luxury fashion earnings, but we're going to start with something that I think is good 99% of the time, and that's pizza. Uh, Papa John's specifically today. Uh, shares of Papa John's up more than 5%. Because same store sales in the third quarter were up 1%, and that's a tiny amount, but that is the first time in two years they've had positive comps. So, yeah. yes, it's a low bar, but Papa John's cleared it. Yeah, I mean, expectations were that they were supposed to be down about 0.6%, so exceeding expectations and actually reversing a trend, which is always going to be very positive news for them. So, you've got Rob Lynch, who's been the CEO since August. He basically just got there, and and I'm assuming this is part of why the stock is moving up today. Is Rob Lynch basically announced a shakeup of the management team? You've got a longtime uh, CFO who's going to be leaving in the next couple of months. Chief marketing officer, chief offer, uh, chief operating officer. They're all leaving, and Lynch is basically bringing in his own team. And is saying Papa John's needs to focus on quality. I don't know. This this seems this seems interesting to me in the way that ten years ago Patrick Doyle, when he became CEO of Domino's Pizza, came out and said, "Yeah, we got to make our pizza better." Yeah, like it's it, it seems like it's potentially that type of moment for Papa John's. It is. I mean, it's kind of interesting. So it's really sort of been a turbulent story ever since their former founder and former CEO, um, John Schnat- Schnatter. Is that how you pronounce Schnatter. Yep. Schnatter drove the brand's image really into the ground with those like super controversial comments, right? So then they appointed Steve Ritchie, who had held the position for about a year and a half. Um, but he, the interesting thing about Ritchie was that he had actually worked his way up through all of the ranks of Papa John's and really had been there since the beginning. Was an insider. He actually owned 27 franchise stores within that Midwest region. And now they've brought in this outsider, Rob Lynch, who um, was previously the president of Arby's as well as various leadership positions. At Procter and Gamble and Taco Bell, so um, I think they're recognizing that a change needs to be made here, and I think it's positive, right? Like something's not going well in this business for sure. Um, I still don't know that this is an attractive investment, and especially even within that delivery pizza, fast food pizza, I don't necessarily think this is the company I would buy. See, that's what I was going to ask you about because year to date, shares of Papa John's are up about fifty. Yeah, forty-five or fifty percent. Yeah, around fifty percent, and so maybe it's trading at a rich valuation. I don't know though. It's it's still less than a two billion dollar company. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Shaquille O'Neal on the board of directors. Like I don't know. It it, it seems like I'll just put it this way: it wouldn't surprise me if three years from now we looked back. And said, "Oh yeah, when Lynch came in the door, cleaned out the management team, replaced them, and said we got to focus on quality. That was the time to buy the stock." Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I guess my thing is, I would never want to pay a premium for what's essentially a turnaround story, and I think that's where we're seeing the stock right now. CVS Health third quarter profits rose ten percent. Uh, the part of CVS Health that's getting the credit for that is uh, Aetna Insurance. Uh, a year ago, uh, November 2018, is when CVS Health closed the deal on Aetna. Uh, shares of CVS up a little bit today. This this seems like one more 
brick in the wall of CVS transforming itself from a mom and pop drugstore to a full fledged health behemoth. Yeah, I mean, so if we go back, it was November 2018 that they acquired Aetna. And I think that was kind of an interesting acquisition for them. So um, CEO. Larry Merlot. He's really begun testing sort of medical services inside the chains, more than 900 and or 9,900 locations. So um, they have an explicit goal of sort of reducing a patient need for hospital and out, hospital outpatient services. So um, funneling those Aetna insured patients to CVS pharmacies and retail clinics. And I think um, I think healthcare obviously needs an overhaul. So I think it's an interesting strategy. I think it's kind of a um, a powerful cycle that they have going. I just continue to be amazed by this business, actually. Well, so you look at, you know, in the wake of the Aetna acquisition um, and go back 10 years and uh, or so, and CVS is starting to introduce these minute clinics in some of their locations. Um, now they've got this health hub format that they're saying. Uh, that they only have, I think, in a few locations, and they've said we're, we're going to remodel somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 locations with this health hub format to offer more health services. It, it, it basically sounds like a minute clinic on steroids. Definitely. And they're not really disclosing the financials of how these have gone, but I'm assuming they're pretty attractive if they're Testing, they're going from we've tested a few to we want to roll out 1,500. Yeah. I think at the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference this year, their CEO made a conference that they have the potential to allocate up to 20% of existing space to healthcare services offerings um, by scaling back on underperforming categories and products while scaling up in new categories. So, primarily those health services that you were mentioning. So, this is a business that's performing well. When you look at the stock, do you think it looks expensive? Good question. I mean, I think I think companies like this demand a premium for a justified reason, right? This is a very um, steady business, a pretty predictable business. It continues to gain strength as they go on. Um, that was a very strategic and notably very large acquisition for them that's going well. So I think um, it's certainly not cheap, but I do think it's a justified premium. This also comes on a day when there are reports that Walgreens is considering going private. They're not commenting on it, but there are multiple reports out there that they've been meeting with private equity firms, and it's it's pretty amazing when you think about you know even just five years ago you could you could look at the basic footprint of the average CVS, the average Walgreens, the average Rite Aid, and you can just say yeah they're they're basically the same, but the Divergent paths that the businesses have taken are, are pretty remarkable. Right, right, definitely. Uh, let's wrap up with Capri Holdings. Not a household name, even though the brands underneath the Capri Holdings uh, umbrella are household names uh, Michael Kors, Jimmy Choo, Versace. Um, second quarter profits came in low. The overall sales seemed to be in line with expectations, but we were talking right before we started. Recording here. Holy cow! This bit, the the name change, because it used to just be Michael Kors. The name change to Capri Holdings has done nothing to help this business. Yeah, I'm actually not sure if it was better or worse than Coach's <laughs> name change to Tapestry. I think you know, equivalently, poor decisions on management's <laughs> side there. Well, I mean, for whatever you think of the names, I understand at least the rationale of okay, we've got multiple brands. 
And sometimes we report earnings, and one of our brands doesn't do well, and that's sort of dragging things down. Particularly if it's the namesake brand. Right. So I right. understand the rationale. Right. But unless you actually are performing well in the underlying businesses, then it really just looks like you're rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Definitely, I would agree with that. So. I guess the best thing I could say about Capri Holdings right now is the stock hit an all-time low in August, and it's up from that. What what do they do here? And take two questions. Take them in whatever order you you want. Um, what do they do here? And why is this so hard? Why is this particular brand of retail so hard to get right? Because it's not like Tapestry's stock is hitting you know lighting the world on fire either. Right. So I think. Um you know, they, you mentioned they own Versace. They bought that in December of 2018, and this year they're looking for or expecting flat to comparable st- uh, same store sales year over year. So I, I feel like um, obviously they weren't buying that as a growth engine. You're buying that on sort of like the back end, so you get a little bit of efficiency by owning multiple brands. Probably looking at sort of like an LVMH or like a caring group uh, model. I think the difference is. Um, I mean, obviously, fashion's hard to invest in, particularly luxury fashion, because it tends to change with tides. And um, if you happen to own three sort of, well, two out of three of your brands are out of favor, so that would be Versace and um, Michael Kors is struggling as well. They're down 4.2% year over year on revenue, which is in line with expectations. Um, probably gets to why they changed that namesake. <laughs> uh, but. And Jimmy Choo is actually a pretty strong brand, also an acquisition for them, um, but not a profitable business section segment for them. So um, I think they're probably looking to become sort of that LVMH or that caring group that has a flywheel of multitudes of brands that come in and out of favor at different times. Um, and it, I think it is worth noting LVMH partnered with Rihanna in May, I believe, to launch her fashion line called Fenty, and then they also have recently, um, within the past month or so, made a bid or be rumored to be in talks to acquire Tiffany's. So there is something to this sort of like uh, rolling up luxury fashion houses. I just this one is struggling really hard, and it's it's hard to see the the pathway out here. Do you imagine there are any discussions? At Capri Holdings or Tapestry, for that matter, of spinning off one of the brands, uh, selling it outright, just as a way to raise some money and focus on um, maybe brands that you feel like you can do well with. I don't know. I like Jimmy Choo. Just knowing very little about fashion, even I know that that's a uh, respected brand in uh, when it comes to luxury footwear. Right. Um, So it sort of seems like, well, someone would pay some amount of money for that brand, and uh, you know that's a way. Like if that's the one that's like, well, that's a respected brand. It's actually not profitable for them. It's like, well, then maybe the move there is. You know, sell off Jimmy Choo just so you can focus on brands that maybe you have a chance with. Yeah, interesting thought. I guess if I was their strategic management sitting around the table, I feel like that's the one that's sort of lifting the group up in terms of clout and which matters a lot in luxury fashion. So I don't know that unless you're trying to make a sort of portfolio of lesser desirable fashion <laughs> names, I don't know that I would get rid of the one that's like your life raft. But um, yeah, I think this is an interesting. Time 
to be Capri Holdings. I don't I don't really know what management's path out here is. How do you how you turn this around? So, in terms of the stock, and we can wrap up here. In terms of the stock, you look at both Tapestry and Capri Holdings. They are they are in the case of Capri Holdings, it's close to an all time low. Uh, Tapestry is close to a five year low. Do either of them? Look like value opportunities to you, or are there just so many questions and so many challenges that they're both facing? Uh, in part because these are global brands, and uh, it, you know you're dealing with um, international politics, among others. Does either stock interest you? Um, fair question, given that they are sort of. Again, we're talking about turnarounds here, right? So you're hoping that things get better. And I personally don't invest that way unless I see a pretty clear path. And I don't think that right now either of these are sort of, um, I don't see the impetus on the horizon or the catalyst, even at a very, very low likelihood. I don't, I don't really know what it is for either of these brands. So I would not invest in either of these personally. Here's hoping for their shareholders that they have a really great holiday season. Yeah, <laughs> and that there are a lot of Jimmy Choo's <laughs> under a lot of different Christmas trees. Abby Mallon, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people in the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.